0: Okay, all right. Good afternoon or good morning or however you are in listening to the our podcast, which we're glad to have back our second season. This is Representative Dan Miller. I want to thank you for joining us at On The Table. Um, typically, I have staff with me today. I'm staffless, so this is both uh, exciting and scary, concerning and, and positive all at the same time. No idea what we're going to do or what I'm going to say, but our guests, I'm sure, are also concerned by what that means, but uh, we're going to be talking today about something that I don't feel that many people know much about, uh, and so I'm kind of interested. It's uh, a a lot of you know I spend a lot of time on criminal justice matters. Uh, it's always been a big part of what I like to uh, uh, talk about, where I think we need to be going as a state house. Clearly, with us in the majority, we might have some interesting times. But one one of the things we we want to talk about is something called a sentencing commission, and again. Most people probably don't know that we have a sentencing commission, but it is incredibly important for how our criminal justice system works or in some way perhaps doesn't work. But it's incredibly important. And the House, uh, um, we actually have members who we have sit on the board for. So I'm excited. First, I have two guests with me today. and First is our appointment from the House Democrats, my friend from out in Philly. Representative Rick Krajewski. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, my friend?
1: Uh, thank you, Dan. I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be here and, and happy to dig in. Thank you again for having me on.
0: Well, I'm, thank you. And and of course, um, Rick is, again, uh, I, he was there last term. He's gonna be there. You're gonna be there again this term, right, right Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm serving this term and I was just appointed as the vice chair of the commission, so.
0: That's, uh, that's fantastic, and what a great uh, position for you to be in. We'll come back to that. And with us is, uh, again, too, uh, I very much appreciate it. Look, it's hard to talk criminal justice uh, matters in, in, in our world without talking to the ACLU. In some way, the ACLU has done a fantastic job of, uh, of uh, sort of like Bringing up a couple issues that maybe have not been uh, highlighted, but also raising the alarm on some issues that that people should be talking about. So we are glad to have Liz Randall with us from the ACLU. Liz, thank you for joining us as well.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for the invite.
0: Now, Liz, you were also ranked. Weren't you ranked in the top 100 most effective lobbyists in the state?
2: Oh, yes, of course. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Top 100. Yep. Right <laughs> there we go, Rick. Wh- where do you think
1: she ranks? Do you know where she ranks, Rick? Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't know where she ranks. She's definitely top hundred. You know, I mean, she's she's holding it down for us when it comes to to criminal justice. You know, Dan and I talk all the time about how important ACLU's perspective is on on the things we we legislate on in Harrisburg. So, I mean, you're you're, you're top ten in my
0: opinion. So top ten, Thank top you.
2: ten. And, Thank you. you know, there
0: we go, Rick. The, right the top 10 yeah that's pretty good liz, <laughs> you, what number heard were you? First, you heard it here first you heard it here first there you go <laughs> what what right. number do they give you liz do you remember
2: i think it was like 70 78 or something
0: that's that's ridiculous i don't know they anybody... have yeah yeah no no Hey. Okay, look it's quite the accomplishment breaking the boundaries
2: uh... breaking the boundaries
0: like that's uh, quite the accomplishment in all seriousness. Here, we appreciate the ACLU's uh, effort to reach out to the legislature and to talk on both sides of the aisle regarding issues of the Constitution. So we very much appreciate it, and, and I'm sure 76 or whichever your number is, um, you know, is you know is uh, is an accomplishment, but probably not res- reflective of all the work that you do as well. So we appreciate you, and we're glad you're here with us today. So. Let's talk Sentencing Commission. Um, Rick, first, what is it? Tell everybody, what is the Sentencing
1: Commission? That's a great question, Dan. Um, So the Pennsylvania Commission on Sentencing, uh, it is a legislative agency. It was created in 1978 by the General Assembly um, with the chief purpose of reviewing, um, revising and creating Um, the sentencing and parole guidelines for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, So that in itself, right, already like, whoa, that sounds like a lot of responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's an interesting body in that uh, it is technically, it's a legislative agency, but it's also technically within Pennsylvania, Penn State University. Um, So the staff of the commission are technically Penn State staff. Um, However, you know, they work chiefly with the Commonwealth, um, with all of the courts of common pleas and municipal courts throughout the state um, to oversee, revise and implement uh, the sentencing guidelines. Um, So it's a pretty, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, yeah, look, that is a very unique structure. Can you give us a little idea, too, about who, who actually is on this commission with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the
1: sentencing commission itself—so it, it, um—so there's, there's the staff. There's an executive director. There's deputy directors. There's research staff. There's all these different departments. I think it's about 25 staff total. So it's, it's, it's big. And then there's the commission itself, which is more or less the board of the commission. Um, there are two Democratic members—a Democratic state rep, a Democratic state senator. Likewise for Republicans um there is a chair um there are currently two judges serving um a defense attorney a district attorney um a professor and um the i believe the um, doc secretary and the parole board secretary are also ex-officio members as well um so overall i think it's about 11 members um if if i'm counting correctly um, and so it's a mixture of people in the system, right? So you have legislators, you have actual actors in the system, right? When it comes to defense attorneys and district attorneys, you have judges, and then you have um, people who are representing the perspective of the Commonwealth and the DOC and parole board. So it's, it's, a, it's a wide group of
0: people. Rick, you know, the legislators, of course, there's a lot of demands on schedules, okay? And and obviously, you have standing committee assignments and everything with your, uh, your district back east that you got to work on and, and so forth. Um, why did you want to be on the sentencing committee? Why did you want this appointment?
1: That's a great question, Dan. Uh, and sometimes I still ask myself that. Um, so I, my awareness of the commission actually first came online when I was a community organizer um, working on criminal justice reform in Philadelphia, and um, I had remember hearing about the sentencing commission and particularly it deliberating over uh, what was called a risk assessment tool. Um, and so for folks that are listening on on the call, um, risk assessment tools are essentially um, tools that are supposed to use various historical and environmental data about, uh, about a defendant to determine their quote unquote risk um, as it pertains to society and being uh, put back into society. And um, with that, um, the idea is that the courts were supposed to use that in consideration when determining whether to hold this person pretrial, right, as part of sentencing, just throughout the entire um, process of, of determining this person's fate. Um, their risk to to society was supposed to be used as a factor. Um, and I'm sure Liz can talk at length about this and, and fill in where I
0: think I'm she this. loves it. I think yeah, no I'm, I'm, sure,
1: it. I'm sure I'm sure the the that the ACLU yeah. loves risk assessment tools. Um, so you know, I, I, of course, when I heard this, my ears perked up, right? Because you have the bell whistles all throughout, right? I mean, who's a risk? Who's not a risk? What data do you use to determine risk? How do you use how do you use data that we already know has all of the racial and carceral biases that our society has to then determine who's a risk, right? And, so, to no one's surprise, this risk assessment tool ended up having some pretty intense racial biases when it determined who was a risk and who wasn't. Um, so there were a lot of organizations along DSLU that were agitating and coming to commission meetings and testifying and saying this is actually a unconstitutional racist policy. Um, it is not going to make communities safer, it's just going to cause people to get more ensnared in the criminal justice system. Um, and so that was my first understanding of like, oh, there's this this commission that can just create something that then affects thousands of Pennsylvanians, and yeah. if not more. Yeah. And I have no idea what it is. Um, so that was my first exposure to it. Then um, as I became a state representative, actually, uh, Leader McClinton was the one who approached me and said, hey, you know, I'm, I have to leave the position because I'm going on to do great big things like
0: Right. She was leader. there. She was your, your predecessor.
1: <laughs> she was my predecessor, right? And she um, obviously demonstrated her amazing leadership in that position and now is our majority leader. And so she um, gracefully asked me to to be her successor in that position. And, and that's how I, I came into serving to, to now my
0: second term on the commission. Well, so. see. You- you keep following Joanna. That might might uh, lead you even to more. Yeah, you know it, it leads you
1: to some pretty some pretty nice places. So I'm um, yeah. not going to change the playbook. <laughs>
0: so Liz, why why does the ACLU like these uh, risk assessment tools so much?
2: <laughs> nice try, nice try. No, actually, that's how um I knew Rev Krajewski in that capacity before he became a state rep. So we go back before his time in um public service but certainly always in the service of his right? community so yeah so we were on I, calls I, and it was rick this liz that and so now it's all fancy pants formal titles but um fancy
0: pants rick you know and, and by the <laughs> way that's uh it's funny i didn't know philly was that small of a town
2: but uh, for the uh please all of us in the, in this sort of space, particularly in the criminal justice related um, arena, right. are very close and try to collaborate as much as possible because it's a big unwieldy system that needs lots of changes in all corners. So. Well,
0: well, let me ask you though, seriously, uh, Liz, why does, uh, why does the ACLU pay mind to the sentencing commission?
2: So a couple of, I'd say a couple of reasons. First, um, you know, I think... Rev Krajewski is 100% accurate in terms of some of the concerns that we initially had recently around risk assessment instruments and, and tools, um, but it is but it is important to remember that the reason the Sentencing Commission was looking at implementing and putting in place risk assessment tools is because the legislature directed them to do it, and so um, the there are things, so there's two things that I would say about the Sentencing Commission. One is it is critically important to remember it is a legislatively created and enabled and also mostly legislatively directed agency. Um, It is not under the executive branch. It is completely, you know, most of its marching orders come from the legislature. Um, And I'll get back to that in a second. And then there's sort of a column of things that the Sentencing Commission does that um, I'm not saying they shouldn't do, but they have certain discretionary powers that have very significant effects throughout the criminal legal system and so one of the big reasons why on the side of the legislatively directed issue um, and the the marching orders that the sentencing commission gets from the legislature one of the reasons why we're so interested in that is that for the last three sessions we're working on wrapping up our um, report from this last session from the uh, 2021-2022 legislative session but so for the past three sessions, the ACLU has been producing a report called More Law, Less Justice, where we look at what we refer to as the Pennsylvania State House to Prison Pipeline. Effectively looking at the way that how the legislature engages in rampant over criminalization, the creation of new criminal offenses, enhancing and creating new penalties for uh, for different offenses, expanding definitions on down the line is a
0: huge but just, contributor This is a to small report then. Right. This is yeah, a it's small just, you know, there's only a,
2: yeah, just a couple of short, quick data points. Right. So, fantastic. so, um, in a fast and furious way, the legislature has been escalating and ramping up and Matt and hugely expanding our criminal code. Um, and one, uh, and so as a result, the sentencing commission back to the original, uh, question is that one of the mechanisms and one of the, say, contributing stakeholders in this kind of these, this problematic expansion of our criminal code um, is through how the legislature directs the Sentencing Commission. So I I wanna be clear that the Sentencing Commission itself at the ACLU, we may take issue with certain decisions, um, changes in the guidelines, but in general, the purpose of the Sentencing Commission is to to impose, is to give judges um, a set of standardized uniform um, guidelines for, for when they sentence um, a defendant after conviction. Some states don't have sentencing guidelines. so You have wild variations from in different courts across any particular state. Um, thing.
0: Right. Yes. I mean, you want those That's bumper mean. lanes. there right. to kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Just and to, there's just to
2: professionals jump in on there that. too. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, just, just real quick
1: on that. I mean, I, I think what Liz is saying is really important and, and what you just said, Dan, is that um, you know, it, it is it is a, a legislative agency that is uh that is at the, the whim of the legislature. So really the legislature has a lot of influence in determining the direction of the commission. Um and I and I really saw this firsthand when um, we we actually had a, a conference because there's sentencing commissions in a lot of states. We had there was a conference in Portland last year. Um, where sentencing commissions from across the country came together to talk about different initiatives. And you you have Portland where they're talking about how to invest more in treatment, right? And preventative measures through their, through their commission. You have other commissions talking about the role of voting and enabling people impacted by a justice system to have the right to vote mm-hmm. and how that can actually be an aid and a benefit for the system. So th- there's really like a lot of interesting things that we could be doing as a legislative body with the sentencing commission, but instead, because of the direction of our legislature, we're often expanding criminal codes. We're creating sentences for things that already are in the code. Um, we're we're thinking of new, interesting ways to just like create longer sentences for people. And it's like we we could be doing so much, so much more with this body if we were just um, a bit more expansive in the way we we're thinking about it.
0: Well, uh, Liz, and. I- I think Rick kind of like was going a bit too uh, into some of the areas of concern that I, I, I know the ACLU has expressed. So I mean, look, we know that there are some issues where um, the sentencing commission and concept uh, does perform a positive uh, function. I'm imagining the positivity is not what attracts the ACLU to uh, uh, to, to the question. So, um, but uh, I'm imagining there are some concerns where you're seeing some of the issues that Rick brought up, uh, not the positive sides of what the sentencing commission can be doing.
2: Right. So, I will say this. It's not so much the what we're focusing on in terms of the positive. I think there is enormous opportunity for positive things that the commission can do in its discretionary role. So, I'll just mention briefly, for example, there's a new um, – the the Sentencing Commission is currently revising its, um, it's doing its proposed eighth edition of the Sentencing Guidelines. So it's a massive project, huge overhaul of all the guidelines, and it has an opportunity to, to provide. So there are good opportunities. You can do good things. It's really about, you know, what's going into the system and how it's coming, coming out. And so, but yes, we are concerned about some of, uh, we want to keep an eye on it. It's more monitoring. It's not so much the, um, the concern that we think that they're up to no good necessarily. I mean, there are good professionals that work at the commission um, who, but at the same time, you know, some of the composition of the commission itself that determines, you know, that votes on uh, particular enhancements, uh, changes to the guidelines. They have public hearings. We encourage people to testify at those hearings. But yes, I mean, we certainly have concerns in terms of how the um, the commission may Make sentences either you you can make sentences. the recommenda- the recommendations for how long someone needs to serve in prison or to be under criminal supervision can be adjusted with the commission's discretion based on a series of factors that they build into the sort of calculation that judges use to say, okay, so when you hear, for example, you know in a uh, news report, someone's facing you know eighteen to 25 years or something it's like well that's you know you have a a range of years that a judge can sentence you to and it's the sentencing commission that provides a matrix that tells depending on the facts of the case and a bunch of other factors where that judge should sentence yeah. how long the judge should sentence a person
0: well you know uh, rick um, liz mentioned the uh, you know public meetings um, you know i i've always kind of thought that this is a very important commission to which the public Overwhelmingly doesn't know anything about. Um, you know how how uh, how engaged is the public uh, in your work? Do they know uh, what you're working on? Do they know what's going on over there? What do you the find? The commission.
1: Yeah. Um, you know it's it's a it's a spectrum, Dan. Um, I think around the risk assessment tools, there actually was a pretty strong groundswell of community engagement. Um, because of the organizing of ACLU and a lot of other groups on the ground to be like, hey, y'all, we, we have to pay attention to this. Um, and I think it's just about that, like, how, how do we figure out that consistent engagement of community, you know, so that it happens ongoing and not necessarily just at these flashpoints. So, for example, with the sentencing guidelines, um, there is a lot in it that is being changed. I mean, and there, are, there are some good things, too. I mean, there are, there are things, you know, I don't want to paint it all with a broad stroke, but there are some things that the, that the commission is reviewing with its guidelines that are actually improvements. Um, but the one of the ways that we can push it more um, in when it comes to the perspective of the community and how we actually have that voice be heard is, is having people more regularly come. And you know, and part of the problem is that the commission meets quarterly, you know, it only meets once every three months. So if you don't make that meeting, meeting you got to wait another three months until the next one, right? Um, right, right, sure. And so, and so there's some of that, you know, I think there's, I think there's a just a, a large kind of public education and communication piece around it that we've yet to figure out around how groups that do criminal justice reform policy incorporate the Pennsylvania Commission on Sentencing as part of their scope of work. Um, And I, and I think that's something that we just have to figure out how to, how to tackle
0: as well. You know, uh, Liz, the um I, I think you know part of the the big thing I think people legislators need to keep in mind is uh, like you were saying, um, this is a creation of our own doing, right. So we have embodied this commission, uh, and there is a reason, right? so uh, there is a reason for it. Um, you know, but we've also seen what has been a generational, if not beyond, but a generational push uh, into expanding uh, crimes, uh, crimes code and, and punishment and stretching schematics, uh, and enhancements, um, uh, over and over again, uh, to such a degree where at some point you stretch the elastic band so far that it never snaps back into its, its uh, reasonable form or original form. Anyhow. So, um, you know, I think that that's, that's a concern. Um, let me ask, you, I know you guys do that good report, that sizable report on, uh, you know, uh, More lawless justice that you put out there. Um, The sentencing commission—they do a report as well. Is that something that you find valuable? Is it something that is, um, you know, you know? What is there a benefit to what they put out there? Is there something more they should be adding uh, from your perspective as to what they report on?
2: I mean, look, I regularly use the sentencing commission data and their reports for um, research, for building arguments in our legislative memos as a touch point. I mean, it's. Nonpartisan, um, very thorough, um, you know, a lot of this stuff can be incredibly complicated. I find the staff there, I've actually taken, they have webinars that they offer um, that like trainings that you can just register for. They're incredibly helpful. Some of it was definitely, and I love to rabbit hole on lots of things, but there were some things that were in the weeds in terms of doing like the straight up, like, set, like the guidelines, like the matrix calculations that I was like, I'm never going to have to do this level of detail, but I will say- their staff is incredibly knowledgeable and helpful um, and has always been very responsive. If we call and have questions or want them to take a look at a particular data set, um, they've always been incredibly responsive and um, and very helpful. And I think that, you know, what one of the, you know, Rick, I have a question for Rick, Rick, if that's okay. For Rev Krajuski, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, Rev with uh, Respect.
0: God, God, it's always reckless.
2: Uh, <laughs> all right, fair enough. So um But, you know, there is a mechanism. So one of the things when the commission, um, when the commission gets a legislative mandate a directive, so you'll frequently see that in a piece of legislation that says this bill will direct the Pennsylvania Commission on sentencing to create a sentencing enhancement. Um, And then the commission creates the enhancement, Um, but the legislators don't know what the enhancement is prior. To like what the severity of that enhancement will be. So you're effectively voting blind on a bill when you, because the enhancement happens after the fact. But there is a 90 day window that exists for the legislature to pass a resolution to say no, or to, you know, they have a 90 day review window and the legislature is able to pass a resolution to block something. And I just don't know that that's ever been. To your knowledge, I don't know, in the history of the Sensing Commission since 78, I don't know that the legislature has ever, no. you know, taken issue with or if there's even a mechanism internally within the legislature that's like, here's the clock, here's something that the commission has done, there's 90 days to review, it's posted on the bulletin, and I don't know that the legislature's ever engaged. Are you aware of that at all? That they've no, done that? I don't
1: think it is. I mean, I, I don't know that most of the legislature even knows that that's within their authority you know I think it's just traditionally been a rubber stamp kind of thing I mean that's the case for the guidelines you know like the the legislature could be like you know what we think that this needs more work and but you know as as it stands it's often just a rubber stamp and again that's because I mean I tell I tell other reps like hey I'm on the sense commissioner like what's that you know so we just there's there's a it's a it's a real public awareness thing that that we could we could use more. So I think I think that's a great thing to, for us to be exploring as well.
0: Well, you know, look, it's um, and this is the good thing, Liz, with your question. Obviously, Rick, we are very proud as a Democratic Caucus to have Rick be our appointment, our our voice and our our eyes and ears on this very important commission. Uh, and as we wrap up, uh, I get to, to you both here real quick with it, Rick. Uh, obviously, Liz just gave a great thing, perhaps I, that you seem interested in, maybe perhaps expanding. Um, you know, information to our caucus and to uh, both caucuses, uh, the entire General Assembly as need be. But give us an idea here. Uh, you're going to be the vice chair. Uh, we're excited for you in that role, in that leadership uh, uh, role there. What is something there that you are, give us something there that you're hoping to either see or accomplish, work on at this time with this appointment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually in an interesting transition with the commission because we are looking for a new executive director, uh, the past one served, I think Mark served for like 30 years. Um, so this is actually going to be a pretty big cultural shift for the commission. Um, as vice chair, I'm involved in the interview processes, so I'm hoping to find someone who, you know, I feel aligned with when it comes to values, when it comes to vision for the commission, and 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 like we like we've been saying, can take that neutrality and actually move it in a different direction. Um, And the other thing real quick is I'm also interested in expanding community voices on the commission board itself. Um, So for me, I think it'd be really exciting to have a formerly incarcerated person as a member of the commission, you know, um, a survivor of crime on the commission, right? Like actually having
0: the Mm, voices of
1: people who are impacted by the system also having a say. Um, So those are two things that I'm I'm hoping to tee up uh, in this upcoming year.
0: Well, appreciate it. Liz, we'll, we'll have to have you back as well when your uh, report on uh, more lawless justice comes out. When's it going to be up?
2: Hopefully, well, I need to finish. Hopefully, I'm, I will have the final draft. So it, there's a question, between, hope, early March, let's say. Oh,
0: man, early I don't March. know. She, she seems a little wishy washy on so that date. Well, I
2: know. I'm trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to find the time to finish up the writing. But I will. I will mention this about the commission just finally. On March 8th, um, so, in addition, if the job is still, as far as I know, Rep. Krajewski is still posted for the, the executive director position. It is. We're, until we're interviews, so. Okay. All right. So, if anyone thinks, they you know, take a look, go to the Sensing Commission website. If you're interested, think you might qualify or be interested in seeing what it includes. We would certainly encourage the more people that are there for the commission members to interview and to consider is is great, but also... Um, the ACLU helps to sort of coordinate testimony from the advocacy side uh, at the Sentencing mm-hmm. Commission hearing. So the next one is uh, on the revised, the proposed eighth edition guidelines is on Wednesday, March 8th at 9 a.m. It's a hybrid hearing. So it's both in the Irvis building in Harrisburg, but also um, via Zoom. So oh, certainly you. reach out to us. Yep, if you're interested. Yeah,
0: well, look, I obviously hope that the commission gets a, a, a lot of great, uh, you know, people, uh, professionals to consider. Uh, that ED position obviously is incredibly important. Um, I, I, you know, I'd love to see um, uh, uh, people who represent a broader view of, of some of these issues that that I think uh, the sentencing commission, um, you know, um, one way or the other, gets in touch with. Um, however, I'd also note that kind of like what Rick and, and Liz both kind of said is. That this is an important uh, body that is a creation of the legislature. It will reflect very much the direction of the legislature. And we still, Rick and I in particular, I know we still have a lot of work to do to be sure that the bills that come out, it's never about not having accountability. Uh, but justice means a lot of things. Uh, and as we've seen this massive expansion of cri- of our criminal code over, l- over basically uh, 40 years, um, you know, there is a price to be paid and a concern and something that should be better addressed and discussed in the legislature and hopefully reflected in the sentencing commission. Um, so, uh, look, I want to thank Representative Rick Krajewski uh, joining us uh, from Philly. Of course, he's not in Philly, actually, to be honest, right now he's in Harrisburg. Uh, and then uh, Liz, who I believe is in Philly, or Liz Randall from the ACLU. Thank you very much. I'm actually in, in Mount Lebanon right now, but um, I'll be back in Harrisburg yeah so i'll be back She's there shortly coming back <laughs> i'll be back there and uh listen thank you for all of our listeners we're looking forward to our season two of on the table rick and, and liz thank you for being our first guests uh in this new thank season you. uh and we'll look forward to all your good work and we'll talk to you both soon thank you very much thank you so much